Okay, so I'm energized, and we're going to get into carbohydrate structure and function. So, the most basic structural units are monosaccharides. The simplest contain three carbon atoms, and they're called trioses. Four, five, and six are tetros, pentose, and hexose. And carbohydrates with an aldehyde group as their most oxidized functional group are aldoses, and ketone group with that are most oxidized are ketoses. So the basic structure of a monosaccharide is illustrated to be the simple sugar glyceraldehyde, which is an aldose. Uh, it is a polyhydroxylated aldehyde. And the number of carbon atoms in a monosaccharide follows the rules that we went over in the organic chemistry review. So the carbonyl carbon is most oxidized. It will always have the lowest possible number. And the aldehyde carbon will always be number one. And then it will participate in glycosidic linkages, like sugars acting as substituents via this linkage are called glycosyl residues. The simplest ketone sugar or ketose is dihydroxyacetone. Carbonyl carbon is most oxidized. It's the lowest number. Um, it's the lowest number. It can be assigned as carbon 2. And for most ketoses, the carbonyl carbon is C2. And they can also participate in glycosidic bonds. And on every monosaccharide, every carbon other than the carbonyl carbon will carry a hydroxyl group. And so a few sugars are tested by referencing their common names. So D-fructose, D-glucose, D-galactose, and D-mannose. You should be able to recognize the structures. Uh, and then we have optical isomers. They're stereoisomers. They're compounds that have the same chemical formula. They differ from one another only in terms of the spatial arrangement of their component atoms. A special type of isomerism exists between stereoisomers that are non-identical, non-superimposable mirror image of each other. These are called enantiomers. A chiral carbon atom is one that has four different groups attached to it, so any molecule that contains chiral carbons and no internal planes of symmetry has an enantiomer. So the two enantiomers of glyceraldehyde are D and L. Uh, the particular 3D arrangement of the groups attached to the chiral carbon determines the compound's absolute configuration. So OCHEM uses R and S. Uh, biochemists use D and L. So D and L are mirror images. This makes them enantiomers because they must have opposite absolute configurations. And as the number of chiral carbons increases, so does the number of possible stereoisomers because one compound can have many diastereomers. So it's 2 to the N. And it's the number of chiral carbons in the molecule. So... D and L naming convention. Um, so if it has a positive rotation, it's D plus, and L has a negative rotation, so it's L minus, and it can be it has to be determined experimentally, so we can't just see it from D and L. All monosaccharides are assigned either D or L based on their relationship to glyceraldehyde. The Fischer projection is a simple 2D drawing of stereoisomers. So the horizontal lines are wedges out of the page, and vertical lines are dashes into the page. They allow scientists to identify different enantiomers. All D sugars have the hydroxide of their highest numbered chiral center on the right, and all L sugars have that hydroxide on the left. And because D glucose and L glucose are enantiomers, every chiral center in D glucose has the opposite configuration of L glucose. So there's three types of stereoisomers. Same sugars, different optical families are enantiomers. Two sugars in the same family that are not identical and not mirror images of each other are diastereomers. And a special subtype of diastereomers are those that differ in configuration at exactly one chiral center, which are epimers. And let's see, so then we'll go into cyclic sugar molecules. So monosaccharides have a hydroxyl group, which can serve as a nucleophile, and a carbonyl group, which is the most common electrophile. They can undergo intramolecular reactions to form cyclic hemiacetals from aldoses and hemiketals from ketoses. And due to ring strain, the only ones that are stable in solution are six-membered pyranose rings or five-membered furanose rings. 
Sugars uh, tend to exist in predominantly cyclic forms, so the hydroxyl group acts as a nucleophile during ring formation, so oxygen becomes a member of the ring structure. And regardless of whether hemiacetal or hemiketal is formed, the carbonyl carbon becomes chiral and is referred to as the anomeric carbon. So, because these two molecules differ at the anomeric carbon, they are termed anomers. Um, in glucose, the alpha anomer has the OH group of C1 trans to the CH2OH substituent, axial and down, whereas the, B, the beta anomer has the OH group of the C1 cis to the CH2OH substituent, so equatorial and up. Uh, so there's two kinds of productions for glucopyranose. There's the Hayworth production and the Fischer production. Hayworth is a useful method for describing the 3D conformations of cyclic structures. They depict cyclic sugars as planar five or six membered rings with the top and bottom faces of the ring nearly perpendicular to the page. And the five membered rings are very close to planar, but the pyranose rings adopt a chair-like configuration and the substituents assume axial or equatorial positions to minimize steric hindrance. And when we convert them from a straight chain to Fisher to Hayworth, any group on the right in this Fisher projection will point down. So exposing hemiacetal rings to water will cause them to spontaneously cycle between open and closed. Because the substituents on a single bond between C1 and C2 can rotate freely, either the alpha or beta anomers can be formed. The spontaneous change of configuration about C1 is known as mutarotation, which occurs more rapidly when the reaction is catalyzed with an acid or a base. And it results in a mixture that contains both alpha and beta anomers at equilibrium concentrations. So for glucose, it's 36% alpha, 64% beta. And in solution, the alpha anomeric configuration is less favored because the hydroxyl group of the anomeric carbon is axial, adding to the steric strain of the molecule. And in its solid state, the preference can be mitigated by the anomeric effect, which helps stabilize the alpha anomer. But you didn't even know that. So then we'll talk about monosaccharides. They have alcohols and either aldehydes or ketones. The functional groups undergo the same reactions that they do when they're present in other compounds, so oxidation reduction, esterification, and nucleophilic attack, rating glycosides. So for oxidation and reduction, um, the hemiacetals spend a short period of time in the open chain aldehyde form, and they can be oxidized to carboxylic acids, which are called aldonic acids. Because they can be oxidized, um, aldoses are considered reducing agents. Any monosaccharide with a hemiacetal ring is considered a reducing sugar, and when the aldose in question is in ring form, the oxidation yields a lactone instead, which is a cyclic ester with a carbonyl group persisting on the anomeric carbon. So vitamin C is an example. Two standard reagents that are used to detect the presence of reducing sugars are tollens and benedicts. So tollens must be freshly prepared, starting with silver nitrate, which is mixed with NaOH to produce silver oxide. Silver oxide is dissolved in ammonia to produce um, AgNH32+, and the actual tollens reagent, and it's reduced to produce a silvery mirror when aldehydes are present. When benedict's reagent is used, the aldehyde group of an aldose is readily oxidized, indicated by a red precipitate of copper 2 oxide. And um, to test specifically for glucose, one may utilize the enzyme glucose oxidase, which will not react with other reducing sugars. And an interesting phenomenon is that ketose sugars are also reducing sugars, and they give positive tolerance and benedict's tests. They can't be oxidized directly to carboxylic acid, but they can tautomerize to form aldoses under basic conditions via ketoenol shifts. While in the aldose form, they can react with tolerance or benedict's reagents to form carboxylic acid. Tautomerization refers to the rearrangement of bonds in a compound, usually by moving a hydrogen and forming a double bond. In this case, the ketone group picks up a hydrogen while the double bond is moved between two adjacent carbons, resulting in an enol, a compound with a double bond, and an alcohol group. Reduced sugars also play an essential role in biochems, so when the aldehyde group of the aldose is reduced to an alcohol, the compound is considered an aldehyde, and a deoxy sugar, on the other hand, has a hydrogen that replaces a hydroxyl group on the sugar. And then we have esterification. Um, because carbox carbohydrates have hydroxyl groups, they can participate in reactions with carboxylic acids and carboxylic acid derivatives to form esters. In the body, it's very similar to phosphorylation of glucose, where a phosphate ester is formed. 
phosphorylation of glucose is extremely important for glycolysis, where a phosphate group is transferred from ATP to glucose, and the phosphorylated glucose while forming ATP is formed. Oh, it's not formed. It catalyzes this reaction. Uh, and then hemiacetals react with alcohols to form acetals. The anomeric hydroxyl group is transformed into an alkoxy group, yielding a mixture of alpha and beta acetals with water as a leaving group. The resulting carbon-oxygen bonds are called glycosidic bonds, and the acetals forms are glycosides. Disaccharides and polysaccharides form as a result of glycosidic bonds between monosaccharides, so glycosides derived from furanose rings are referred to as furanosides, and those from furanose are furanosides, and it's a dehydration reaction for glycoside formation. And then we'll talk about complex carbs. So disaccharides is the uh, two monosaccharides bonded together. Uh, formation of an alpha or beta glycosidic linkage is nonspecific in that the anomeric carbon of a cyclic sugar can react with an hydroxyl, any hydroxyl group on any other sugar molecule. The linkages are named for the configuration of the anomeric carbon and the numbers of the hydroxyl-containing carbons involved in linkage. Note that uh, for in the event that a glycosidic bond is formed between two anomeric carbons, that, that must be specified in the name. Uh, various combinations of monosaccharides linked by glycosidic bonds result in the formation of different disaccharides, and then some important ones are sucrose, lactose, and maltose, and you should know what they look like. Polysaccharides are long chains of monosaccharides linked together by glycosidic bonds. While glucose is the most frequently encountered monosaccharide, it's not the only one. A polysaccharide composed entirely of glucose or any other monosaccharide is referred to as a homopolysaccharide, which is a monomer made up of while a polymer made up of more than one type of monosaccharide is considered a heteropolysaccharide. The three most important ones are cellulose, starch, and glycogen. They are all composed of the same monosaccharide, so D-glucose. And they differ in configuration about the anomeric carbon and the position of glycosidic bonds, resulting in notable biological differences. So cellulose is the main structural component of plants. A homopolysaccharide cellulose is a chain of beta-D-glucose molecules linked by beta-1,4 glycosidic bonds with hydrogen bonds holding the actual polymer chains together for support. We can't digest cellulose because we don't have the cellulase enzyme. So cellulose found in fruits and vegetables serves as a great source of fiber in our diet, drawing water into the gut. And cellulase is produced by some bacteria found in the digestive tract of certain animals, such as termites, cows, and goats, which enables them to digest cellulose. Starches are polysaccharides that are more digestible by humans because they are linked alpha-D-glucose monomers. Plants stored the starch as amylose, a linear glucose polymer linked via alpha-1,4 glycosidic bonds, and another type is amylopectin, which starts off with the same linkage, but it branches uh, via alpha-1,6 glycosidic bonds. And iodine tests for the presence of starch and does so by fitting inside the helix conformation amylose typically makes, forming a starch-iodine complex. And then starches like amylose and amylopectin are broken down by enzymes in the body and are used as a source of energy. Amylose is degraded by alpha amylase and beta amylase. Beta amylase cleaves amylose at the non-reducing end of the polymer, the end with acetal to yield maltose, while alpha amylase cleaves randomly along the chain to yield shorter polysaccharide chains, maltose, and glucose. Because amylopectin is highly branched, deprinting enzymes will help degrade the polysaccharide chain. Glycogen is a carbohydrate storage unit in animals. It's similar to starch, except that it has a it has more alpha 1,6 glycosidic bonds and it makes it much more branched, uh, which optimizes energy efficiency of glycogen and makes it soluble in solution, allowing more glucose to be stored in the body. And its branching pattern allows enzymes that cleave glucose from glycogen to work on many sites within the molecule simultaneously. Glycogen phosphorylates functions by cleaving glucose from the non-reducing end of the glycogen branch and phosphorylating it, thereby producing glucose-1-phosphate, which plays an important role in metabolism. 
And then we'll go over our concept summary. So carbohydrates are organized by the number of carbon atoms and functional groups. Common names are also frequently used when referring to sugars such as glucose, fructose, and galactose. Three carbon sugars like are triosis and then tetroses and so on. Sugars with aldehydes as their most oxidized group are aldoses and then ketoses, vice versa. Nomenclature is based on the DNL forms of glyceraldehyde. So sugars with highest number chiral carbon uh, with the OH group on the right are D and with the OH on the left are L and their forms of the same sugar are enantiomers. Diastereomers are non-superimposable configurations of molecules with similar connectivity. They differ at at least one but not all chiral carbons and these include epimers and anomers. Epimers are a subtype of diastereomers that differ at exactly one chiral carbon. Anomers are a subtype of epimers that differ at the anomeric carbon. Cyclization describes the ring formation of carbohydrates from their straight chain forms. When rings form, the anomeric carbon can take on either an alpha or beta conformation. The anomeric carbon is the new chiral center formed in ring closure. It was the carbon containing the carbonyl in the straight chain form. Alpha anomers have the OH on the anomeric carbon trans to the free CH2OH group, and beta anomers have the OH on the anomeric carbon cis to the free CH2OH group. Hayworth projections provide a good way to represent 3D structure. The cyclic compounds can undergo meter rotation in which they shift from one anomeric form to another with the straight chain form as an intermediate. And monosaccharides are single carbohydrate units with glucose as the most commonly observed one. They can undergo three main reactions, so oxidation reduction, esterification, and glycoside formation. Aldoses can be oxidized to aldonic acids and reduced to aldatols. Sugars that can be oxidized are reducing agents or reducing sugars themselves, and they can be detected by reacting with tolons or Benedict reagents. And sugars with an H replacing an OH group are termed deoxy sugars. Sugars can react with the carboxylic acids and their derivatives, forming esters via esterification. And phosphorylation is a similar reaction in which a phosphor phospho phosphate ester is, is formed by transferring a phosphate group from ATP onto a sugar. And glycoside formation is the basis for building complex carbs and requires the anomeric carbon to link to another sugar. Disaccharides form as a result of glycosidic bonding between two monosaccharide subunits, and polysaccharides form by repeated monosaccharide or polysaccharide glycosidic bonding. Common disaccharides include sucrose, lactose, and maltose. Polysaccharides have various roles. Oh, I should say, so sucrose is glucose alpha 1,2 fructose, lactose is galactose beta 1,4 glucose, and maltose is glucose alpha 1,4 glucose. And then polysaccharides, there's cellulose, which is the main structural component for cell, plant cell walls and is a source of fiber in the human diet. Uh, starches, amylose, and amylopectin function as main energy storage form for plants, and glycogen functions as the main energy storage form for animals. Okay, so we're going to move right along into lipid structure and function. So, yeah, we'll see you there.